This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. I've got cats all around me. They're plotting something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. What do you want, dude? This little motherfucker. This mor- I Every morning. But specifically this morning. After, like, I, I went comatose on edibles that Sparkles made last night. This motherfucker would not let me sleep. Kept, kept coming into my room. Meow, 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 meow. Asshole. Asshole. And then I don't know what this dude's doing over here. The other one, he's under the bed because it's kind of storming right now. It was indeed a sample of my cake. The cake that we will be uh, partaking on on Friday, on the Friday Night Freak Show. On Justin's freaking birthday bash. Remember, we might be a little late getting to the computer that evening because we have reservations at a fancy restaurant. Sparkle's taking me to a very bougie restaurant on Friday. She told me I have to wear a jacket. Uh, so I was like, hmm, I may just surprise everybody. I'll put on a fucking suit and tie because I've got plenty of them from back in my days of being a, a respectable citizen. But here's the thing is I don't have a belt that goes with any of my suits anymore. So I can't, I can't, I can't wear any of my suits. We'll see what happens on Friday night though. Aroundish 10 o'clock Eastern we'll be here. Maybe, maybe 10.30, maybe 11 o'clock, who knows. Apparently we're having flights of wine. I have belts, but none of them go with any of my suits. They're no, they're, Sparkles calls them bitch belts. I have belts, but they just, they, I haven't worn a snazzy suit in years. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I didn't do my, my opening. What's... Welcome to the, to the, no, that's not right. Hold on. <laughs> the countdown's not happening and everything. I fucking forget what I'm doing. Uh, welcome to the Troll Patrol live. It's a freaking Sunday. I ain't high enough for this shit. If I talk about weed, dark raving, sparkles, warlord, RB, guy comet. You guys are awesome. Always a pleasure to see you. Somebody on the YouTube apparently doesn't like my Fu Manchu, Dustin. Said it looked like the devil's three-pronged thingy. Okay. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. What are we going to talk about tonight? What are we going to talk about? First of all, here's your meme for the day. Select all the squares with someone who offered a horse for a hand job. Yeah, a trident. A trident. Looks like the devil's doorbell. <laughs> oh, shit. What are we going to talk about tonight? Uh... There's a new Dave Chappelle controversy. We're going to have to get into it. 
And uh, I I spent last night after after uh, I had edibles with sparkles at her house. I came back here and watched the four hour long George Carlin documentary on HBO. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about Chappelle and his new controversy, but then I'm gonna play you a clip from the goat telling you why Dave Chappelle is stupid. We're also gonna talk about Matt Walsh's new documentary, What is a Woman? And all the deception involved in making that documentary. Surprise, surprise, Matt Walsh is a lying sack of shit. Uh, we are indeed going to talk about Monkeypox, Warlord, the latest craze just ripping through the globe right now. <laughs> Fuck, it was, also, it was also a deadly weekend once again here in the United States for shootings. Apparently, the, the U.S. is just okay with death. We're going to read an opinion piece from the AP. We're, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Ukrainian negotiator who has ruled out a ceasefire with Russia as Russia ramps up its attacks on the eastern region. Seriously, Scott. Well, it's all propaganda. It's all propaganda. We're going to talk about the election in Australia, which uh, after like nine years, the conservatives have been ousted. Na 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 na, hey, goodbye. Tuesday is once again a primary day here in the United States. We're going to talk about the Georgia primary. A court ruling in Pennsylvania could shake up the Senate race. I know, I know, Warlord on the edge of his seat about whether Doctor Oz will win in the Pennsylvania Senate race. If you if you did not tune in to the Friday Night Freak Show, here is Sparkle's thoughts on the Dr. Oz situation. Stop trying to transition to other shit. I'm trying to do the Oz thing. Everyone You're- hates him, and I hope a house lands on him and his sister gives away his shoes. I don't know what the fuck just happened to you. I can't. Well, shit, I can't make it full screen for some reason. (laughs) But we're smoking and it's on the list. And it just seems like the thing to to do while while we're smoking. I don't like looking at the Green Goblin. Make it stop. Spidey, help me. Help me, Peter Parker. Help me. Now I don't know how I'm going to get the fucking Windows Media Player to close here. Windows sucks. Just saying, just saying. Where's producer Dave to tell me to get on the Linux? (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about the election denier who could be running Michigan's elections come the fall. Emails from Jenny Thomas. Pressuring officials in Arizona, I believe it was. To overturn the election results. A witness told a congressional hearing that 
aborted fetuses power Washington, D.C. So, yeah, we got some batshit crazy for you tonight. Red states are not prepared for the new baby boom that will be coming if Roe v. Wade is indeed overturned. And you're not going to believe what the senator from Louisiana... Oh, wait a minute. He's the senator from Louisiana. You probably are going to believe what he had to say. It was some racist-ass fucking bullshit, I'll tell you that. The Catholics! The Catholics are having a shit fit over Nancy Pelosi receiving communion. Because, you know... Catholics want those kids to be born so they can rape them. Plus, we're going to talk about the disinformation board that is now on hold. Nina Jankowski. Nina Jankowski. We're going to hear from her. She's going to talk about her resignation from the disinformation board. Plus, so much more tonight. Oh, and of course, you're going to get an animal video. Taking care of the kids is what tonight's animal video is called. Ah, but let's get to it with the newest craze sweeping the United States and the world. More like dumpster baby boom, indeed. City health officials say a person has tested positive for the family of viruses associated with monkeypox. The patient is isolating as they await further confirmation from the CDC. It would be the second case of the rare disease in the U.S. this year. Dozens have been confirmed around the world. On his way to Tokyo, President Biden was asked if he's concerned that this could become a larger issue. It is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for it. But it is- uh, it's the smallpox vaccine. It's apparently like 85% effective for it. But, like, this Secret Service agent right here, he is not impressed. It's a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential. Dr. William Schaffner joins me now. He is a professor of infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Dr. Schaffner, good to have you back on the show. So for viewers who think that this Maybe sounds eerily familiar to the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, what do you say? Uh, I would say, uh, with respect to the president, I wouldn't say everyone should be concerned about this. Interested, for sure. And that's because monkeypox does not spread the way COVID does. It spreads slowly. It requires really close and rather prolonged personal contact. Yeah, but we're we're popping up all over the world right now. It's kind of weird. I have it. I have close personal contact with someone else. They get it. They, in turn, give it to one or two other people. So public health around the world, in Europe, Canada, and here in the United States, are contacting everyone who's had close contact with the case, putting them under surveillance. And I think, although there'll be a few more cases discovered, I think public health will be able to contain this epidemic rather quickly within the next week or so. That's my... Uh fact check for us. Uh, 
you say that it's very different uh, in in terms of how it spreads from person to person than COVID-19, which we later learned was airborne. Uh, what should somebody do who's potentially exposed to monkeypox? Should they quarantine any guidance? Very convincing indeed, Starcraft. Well, at the moment, uh, there's no guidance that you should quarantine yourself, but you should certainly remain alert. Should, should you holy, holy shit, holy shit. If you have, if you have some pox on your body, don't go the fuck outside. Don't go, don't go sleeping with other people. Holy shit. No, the, the glory hole phone apps. That's not, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's for the COVID, not for the monkeypox. We're, we're concerned about the monkeypox. Don't go sucking off strangers right now while the monkeypox is going around. Fever, feeling badly, swollen lymph glands, immediately call your healthcare provider. Of course, tell them that you think you were exposed so that they can act. We, our pool is not open yet. Because then you're just starting to become infectious to others. Well, we are still dealing with COVID-19 after more than two years. How does the ongoing pandemic... I fucking have to tell my fucking audience, like, oh, don't, don't go to the glory holes right now. You live in sexual anarchy? <laughs> impact our ability to respond to other outbreaks, whether it's monkeypox or something else. Well, fortunately, we have a resourceful public health network out there. Do we? Monkeypox was discovered very quickly, not only here in the United States, but in Canada and in Europe. No, no, no. I trust, I trust other countries. Communicated public health. Medical personnel, all the doctors in those countries. So we're on the lookout for more cases. Public health continues to have the capacity to respond promptly and appropriately. Dr. Schaffner, um, I read that monkeypox and the family of viruses uh, that it's related to, smallpox and the like, are very different from COVID-19. I'm going to just hammer this a little bit because I think people right now are so stressed by the pandemic that, that they want answers about this and they want to know whether or not they're afraid. And and I read that it doesn't have the same potential to mutate as COVID-19. Can you talk to us about that? And then also about the ability to vaccinate people. Should it become something that is necessary here in the U.S.? Well, just because they're both viruses does not mean that they behave the same way. COVID and monkeypox behave in very different ways. As I say, monkeypox really is spread quite slowly, carefully from person. Now, some people are saying this is like Harambee fucking taking his revenge on society. Monkeypox. Number two, uh, we can identify monkeypox very quickly because of its distinctive rash. And we can treat these patients if we have to. Uh, The other thing is, the Headache, old- muscle aches, backache, chills, exhaustion. This is fucking every day. What the hell? Some measure of protection against monkeypox, but we're not contemplating a large-scale vaccination campaign at the moment. That would require a whole lot of planning and some special training. But it's there on the shelf if we need it. That's good to know. Dr. William Schaffner, you always keep us calm and give us the facts. Huh. appreciate you and all that you do. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Like, we get to the end of this week and monkeypox is contained, then I will, I will be grateful, but like, 
We just keep having cases pop up. But apparently they have indeed been able to trace it back, the case in the UK. The dude had been to Africa. Because at first they were worried because there were, there was no like links to travel. The dude in Canada had been in the UK. So they have actually been able to trace it back. Now let's talk about the other outbreak of shit going on in the U.S. I'm, it's not an outbreak. It's just an ongoing epidemic. Just released the name and photograph of the 20-year-old shot and killed last night during a prom after party. Detectives say they found San Bernardino resident Alan Gresham Jr.'s body in the parking lot outside the Blue Flame Hookah Bar and Lounge. They say eight other people were also shot and injured, but they will all recover. Police say this mass shooting unfolded, unfolded during a large illegal party at the lounge in a strip mall. Gunfire was exchanged during a fight between two people inside the lounge. The fight then continued. Sassy, welcome. More shots were fired. Tonight, two people are under arrest. One taken into custody for having a loaded, stolen gun. The second suspect was... Oh, so this whole piece wasn't about the San Bernardino shooting. More, more gun violence. Well, today there was violence in the New York City subway, apparently. Oh, I, also, I need to update you guys on something here. I gotta... This is crime scene footage from this deadly incident here at the subway stations in Chinatown in Manhattan. It is one of two incidents that happened today on our subways. Just Two! This one again happened on the Q-Line train. This was a very deadly weekend in the United States. Suspect shot and killed another person and what witnesses say was a random event. According to the NYPD, as this train was approaching the Canal Street Station around 1140 in the morning, the gunman shot a 48-year-old man. The victim was taken to a nearby hospital where police say he was pronounced dead on arrival. The gunman then fled the area. What led to this deadly encounter is still under investigation. The name of the man that died has not been released yet as authorities reach out to his family to tell them about what happened. Witnesses told officers the man who died was innocent. Have a listen. According to witnesses, the suspect was walking back and forth in the same train car and without provocation, pulled out a gun and fired it at the victim at close range as the train was crossing the Manhattan Bridge. When the train pulled into the Canal Street... It's that uh, Mercury is in uh, Gatorade or whatever. And then I keep seeing, I'm a Gemini. I keep seeing people like bashing the Geminis. I'm guilty of something. (laughs) I caused some of the pain that's going on in the United States. What the fuck is this, this fucking, uh, his, his commendations over his badge and shit. That looks stupid, dude. That looks stupid. You're stupid. Fuck you, copper. Station, the suspect fled off the train. Investigators are in possession of and currently reviewing the MTA security video obtained from the station. Now, the murder on the queue line wasn't Sunday's only violence trouble. Early in the morning, around 2.45 a.m., police tell us two men got into a fight on the number two train just north of Central Park. One of those men, according to officers, a 27-year-old man, pulled out a handgun. But he didn't shoot the guy he was fighting. Investigators said the gunman ended up shooting himself in the leg. The NYPD was ah! arrest the gunman in that case before taking him to a hospital for his self. Well, statistics say you're more likely to shoot yourself, someone you love, 
or have the gun used on you than you are to stop a violent crime. But now, as long as we're talking about subway shooters, subway shooters are kind of common in New York. There was one a few weeks back. And uh, this is one of the reasons why we need sanctuary cities, why um, we don't want people to be scared to go to the cops. New Yorkers who helped catch subway shooter in danger of being deported. Last month, as gunshots and smoke filled the air on the N train headed from Brooklyn to Manhattan, a 37-year-old mother, who was asked to be identified only by her last name, Flores, started filming the situation on her phone. We watched those videos. Then she did something extraordinarily brave. She turned her phone and its footage over to police, despite the fact that she is an undocumented immigrant from Mexico who has been the subject to a deportation order for more than two decades. Francisco, or friend, uh, uh, Francisco Puebla, another undocumented immigrant who manages the uh, Safey Hardware and Garden Store, was directing camera installers when the alleged shooter, Frank James, walked by. The workers alerted the police, leading to Mr. James's arrest. Oh shit, is that the guy that we, we, we saw the video of? No fucking way. That dude was awesome. Now, for their contributions to the cause of public safety, Ms. Flores and Mr. Puebla are facing trouble with immigration officials. Mr. James's attack inside the N-train on the 12th of April left dozens of people injured. He has pleaded not guilty to counts of perpetrating a terrorist attack and violence against a mass transportation system. Lawyers for Ms. Flores, who is pregnant with another child, and Mr. Puebla told the New York Times that they are attempting to win them visas intended for victims, witnesses, and informants who aid law enforcement and are also investigating the possibility of their receiving humanitarian aid and political asylum. Not just Ms. Flores and Mr. Puebla, who could use assistance from U.S. immigration authorities, Zach uh, Tehan, a Brooklyn-born Syrian America who, uh, American who fled war in his native country, and Mohammed uh, Cheek, a Lebanese student, also have urgent concerns. Mr. Tehan became a sensation for his exuberant retelling of his part in alerting police to Mr. James's presence near the store. Is an American citizen. Many of his family members, however, are not. He's attempting to secure green cards for his parents and younger brother. Mr. Uh, Cheik, meanwhile, told the Times that he is concerned his participation in the hunt for Mr. James has put him on the radar of the militant anti-American organization Hezbollah. Lawyer uh, Rifat A. Harb, who is also representing Mr. Tehan, said that Mr. Cheik will be interrogated if he returns to Lebanon. Cheik said he would love to become a U.S. citizen and bring his family to the country. They're going to fall through the cracks. You know it. Fucking heroes and will not be rewarded with fucking citizenship. Also, a shooting taking place in Pennsylvania. Three teens, all 14, reported stable after Philadelphia shooting. Authorities say three teenagers are in stable condition after a triple shooting in Pennsylvania in which another teen is being sought. Authorities say three teenagers were in stable condition after a triple shooting in Philadelphia in which another teen was being sought. Police said the 14-year-old boy and two 14-year-old girls 
were shot shortly after 9.30 p.m. Saturday during a festival at popular Penn's Landing, a stretch of waterfront parks and eateries along the Delaware River in Philadelphia. A boy who was shot in his right ribs and the two girls, both shot in the foot, were all reported in stable condition Sunday at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. He said the shooter was a 14 to 15 year old male and the gunfire followed an argument. No arrests were reported. Kids, kids, kids. Jesus. But you can't blame the kids. It's just the society they're growing up in. We here in the U.S. have decided like we're just okay with death. This is from Michelle Smith. With the Associated Press, COVID-19 shootings is mass, de- or is mass death now tolerated in America. Yes. Yes. And I have no indication that it hasn't always been. To be completely honest with you. After mass shootings killed and wounded people uh, grocery shopping, going to church, and simply living their lives last weekend, the nation marked a milestone of 1 million deaths from COVID-19. The number, once unthinkable is now an irreversible reality in the United States, like the persistent reality of gun violence that kills tens of thousands of people a year. Americans have always tolerated high rates of death among certain segments of society, but the sheer numbers of deaths from preventable causes and the apparent acceptance that no policy change is on the horizon raises the question, has mass death become accepted in America? Hey, Alex Carter, you're a fucking idiot. You have, uh, you have never seen a vagina or been with anyone who had any use for Summer's Eve. Right-wingers are morons. Uh, the weather might be trying to kill me right now. Certain communities have always borne the brunt of higher death rates. There are profound racial and class inequalities in the United States, and our tolerance of death is partly based on who is at risk, says Elizabeth uh, Wrigley Field, a sociology professor who studies mortality at the University of Minnesota. Some people's deaths matter a lot more than others, she laments. I think that's what we're seeing in this really brutal way with this coincidence of timing. Buffalo, the alleged shooter, was a racist bent on killing black people, according to authorities. The family of 86-year-old Ruth Whitfield, one of the 10 people killed, channeled the grief and frustration of millions as they demanded action. You expect us to keep doing this over and over and over again, over again, forgive and forget, her son, former Buffalo Fire Commissioner Garnell Whitfield Jr. said, while people we elect and trust in offices around this country do their best not to protect us, not to consider us equal. Move over to Ukraine. A very strange. This is a Ukrainian negotiator. 
who says that they are ruling out a ceasefire and concessions to Russia. A very strange stance for us is indeed appearing in the West, which is that in order to get out of the war, some concessions will probably have to be made to Mr. Putin, to the Russian Federation, including territorial concessions on the one hand, and on the other, to insist on an immediate ceasefire. But there are two components here. First, Russian society probably wants to... Now, I don't know anything about sporty ball, but I'm pretty sure Wrigley Field isn't a thing anymore, and I think it was the Cubs. I'm not, am, am I mistaken on that? RB, you probably know far more about sports than I do, but I, I think, because Red Sox is Boston, aren't they? And they, like, Curiouser has been to concerts at, at, at Boston's field, and I forget what it's called. It's not Wrigley Field, though, is it? But I may be wrong. I don't know shit about the sporty ball. Register its military successes, i.e. the seizure of occupied territories. Bergen! Ukraine will never go for that. It is a principal question for us. Considering all the war crimes that the Russian Federation has committed in Ukraine, Ukrainian society will never support any concept of concessions to the Russian Federation, including territorial concessions. Because any concession to the Russian Federation would instantly lead to an escalation of the war. So the war will not stop. Well, here's the thing is, I don't see us uh, getting... You usually know the names of sports figures we're talking about. Especially when it comes to, like, tennis and shit. You, you usually correct me on that. Now I forgot the point I was going... Oh, concessions to Russia. I don't see... I do not see how... Russia is going to stop without some concession of the Donbass region. I, I just, I... Unless Putin is ousted. Apparently still in very poor health. But that's just speculation. It will just be put on pause for some time. After a while, with renewed intensity, the Russians will build up their weapons, manpower, and work on their mistakes, modernize a little, fire many generals who are absolutely ineffective. This is Soviet level of generals, so the planning of military operations and so on. They will fire the generals, try to modernize the general staff, and they'll start a new offensive, even more bloody and large scale, taking into account all mistakes. Okay, so... Fucking Fox News attacking the new press secretary and calling her amateur hour. My God. Their bigotry knows no bounds. Now this is, I was hesitant to play this the other day because I saw it from Jackson Hinkle. This is apparently a unit of Ukraine's frontline fighters that surrendered. I wanted to highlight exactly what they had to say about their fight against Russian forces, but also take it with a grain of salt because it came from Jackson Hinkle, I don't, I can't, this isn't a, a source I can verify to even tell you that the translation is correct. Hey, we the servicemen of the battalion of the 115th Brigade appeal to caring citizens and senior leadership. We have no way to carry out the orders of the leadership without the necessary supplies and training. So supposedly they were holed up in the in the steel plant 
enemy with superior forces forced us to leave the positions we occupied from April 19th to May 3rd. In accordance with the earlier issued order to withdraw, we were forced to flee to the rear because the general staff did not prepare a reserve position. The incompetence of the command led to the loss of military equipment and losses of personnel. This contributed to the demoralization of the military personnel. Therefore, we cannot perform combat missions due to a low morale and psychological state. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to the heroes. So that is them saying that they are not being backed up properly by Ukrainian generals, by Ukrainian leadership. But once again, Jackson Hinkle. So take it with a grain of salt. He has been promoting a lot of Russian propaganda to try to paint uh, the Ukrainian forces as 100% Nazi. Now, do they have a Nazi problem that I have mentioned multiple times? Yes. Do I think their Nazi problem is comparable to our Nazi problem in our armed forces? Probably. Just saying. Alex Carter, how in the world could you come to the the conclusion that I hate black people, you dumb fuck? I tell you what, you know what we really like around here? We like it when idiots like yourself give us a call. 917-830-4359 or you can hop into the Discord and you can have a little discussion with me. You don't even know how to spell here right. We do want you here. I want you here. I want you to hop in the Discord. Or give us a ring on the phone. Ah, shit. Maybe I don't have a command for the phone. Here is the number, though. Just don't say any racist bullshit or I'll have to cut you off. You have not called. I do not have any missed calls whatsoever. Call back. 917-830-4359. Do call us. We would love to talk to you. Because apparently you got some dumb shit to say. And we love making fun of dumb fucks. This will be a lot of fun. We took a call on the Freak Show on Friday. That was a lot of fun. I asked Sparkles, I was like, should, should I have kept him on longer? Did we get all we could get out of him? I think we got all we could get out of him. We'll see if Alex Carter can give us a, a entertaining segment here. <laughs> he said he said he didn't do drugs. He said he was a 
uh, uh, straight edge. Oh, God, here's that bullshit. Alex, you dumb motherfucker. There's plenty of clips of me talking to people for hours on the phone saying I'm going to cut you off, you fucking idiot. Then get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants to deal with you. If you ain't got the balls to fucking call in, then go fuck off somewhere. Play with your little prick. Fucking idiot. Do you think we're stupid? you think we're fools? You're gonna call in. You're gonna cut me off. You're not gonna let me say my dumb shit. Well, first of all, it's my fucking show, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Pussy asshole. What? What an insult, man. You are a wordsmith. I stand in awe of your mastery of the English language, sir. Fucking dumb fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. Sitting cow! Welcome! Love you guys. Let's talk about the primaries that are going to be happening on Tuesday. Also happening in my state on Tuesday. Primary being held this week in Georgia. One candidate backed by former President Trump, the other supported by former Vice President Pence. A real test of where the Republican Party is headed. ABC's Ellen Lopez joins us from Atlanta with the latest. What's up, Ellen? Hey, Eva, good morning. All eyes are going to be on Georgia this week, where the former president and former vice presidents are in separate camps. Voters here are turning out in record numbers ahead of Tuesday's primary. Through Thursday, more than 700,000 people cast their ballots. That is a 149% record number. Now, there are there are right-wingers being like, oh, see? Oh, it couldn't have been a restrictive voting law if this many people are turning out. No, this is the backlash to your stupid-ass voting laws. Now, Governor Brian Kemp... Look at that fucking line. There should not be a line. You should not ever wait in line that long in the United States. ...recruited by him to enter the race. Trump taking quite an active role in trying to shape the governor's race here in Georgia, campaigning on Purdue's behalf, but his former VP, Mike Pence, is here tomorrow in a last-minute rally for Kemp. Now, this is all happening, of course, in the aftermath of the 2020 campaign when Trump became the first GOP presidential... I think, I think no matter which one wins, they're in for a fight with Stacey Abrams. And if the primary turnout is any indication, they're going to lose. So, Brian Kemp, I think you about to lose your job. But no matter which one wins, they are damaged by the uh, inter-party fight. ...candidate to lose the Peach States in 28 years by a narrow margin. Now, the winner is likely to face Democrat Stacey Abrams in the fall, who is running unopposed in her party. Janae? All right, Ellen, thank you so much. Yeah, that's what I didn't understand when she said likely to face. Uh, what does that mean? Stacey Abrams is running unopposed. Ah. <sighs> Also, Stacey Abrams is who I thought should have been uh, chairing the DNC right now, but Democrats aren't very bright. Maybe they asked her and she turned it down and I don't know about it, but like I, I kind of doubt it. 
Let's talk about Democrats' redistricting nightmare. Early redistricting wins for Democrats are collapsing across the map, deepening the party's fears of a rout in November's midterm election. Reports struck down some of Dems' biggest gains, including in New York, where the GOP could win up to 11 total House seats in a wet and a red wave, according to the Cook Political Report's Dave Wasserman. Party heavyweights, including House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler and House Oversight Chair Carolyn Maloney, will now be pitted against each other in contentious primaries. Republicans are licking their chops at a Florida map that could allow them to pick up an extra four seats. Dems were already at a huge disadvantage for the midterms with bare congressional majorities, dismal approval ratings for President Biden, and historical trends favoring the party out of power. Gerrymandering opportunities in New York, Maryland, and Illinois, along with favorable court actions in Alabama, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, had given Democrats some cause to celebrate. That optimism is now unraveling. The legal setbacks and losses Democrats have suffered in the last three months have been staggering, according to Wasserman. Democrats' original plans in New York could have knocked out half of the eight GOP-held seats and boosted the party's 19-member delegation to 22. Instead, Rep. Sean Patrick Maloney, the chair of the House Democrats' campaign arm, will run in a district that includes his home, but is mostly represented by black freshman Representative Mondaire Jones. Maloney's decision has angered many in the caucus. A twist, Jones will avoid that primary by running in a different redrawn district, facing off against former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. National Republican Redistricting Trust President Adam Kincaid told Axios the outcomes have been an improvement on the map that was struck down, but contends the map still heavily favors Democrats. Both parties have filed court challenges, but we have seen, even when the federal courts side with Democrats, the Supreme Court will knock it the fuck on down, because they are radical. And do not, and with, with no consistency... In Maryland, a state judge tossed a map that would have endangered the state's only House Republican, Representative Andy Harris. In the approved map, Harris is safe. And Representative David Trone is in a highly competitive district. Democratic Governor Tony Evers managed to veto Republicans' maps in Wisconsin, but the court-approved maps submitted by Evers still favor the GOP. Democrats might also have seen gerrymandering opportunities in Virginia and Colorado, but those states established independent redistricting commissions that focused more on competitiveness. Competitiveness. It should be the... My position in drawing these maps is that you should put them into a program that draws them completely without political partisanship. We surely have the technology that you could program a computer... Because it's just about the proportionment of votes. Surely, surely you could let a computer do it, take partisanship out of it, and we have competitive races all across the country. I'm tired of safe districts. I think democracy is a good thing. Here is a former GOP rep talking about the governor's race in Pennsylvania. For Mastriano, who is apparently a real nut job. 
And Congressman Dent, uh, the Republican... Is the Republican nominee. Yeah, I mean, to me, this, you know, for all... Oh, it's Joe Walsh. You know, to me, the... I didn't know that the former Republican congressman was Joe Walsh. The story of the week is Doug Mastriano. He is a known election denier who actually attended the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. He was pictured up on the Capitol grounds that day. He's openly talked about how he plans to handle uh, the 2024 election. Let's watch. As governor, I, I get to appoint the secretary of state. And I, I have a voting reform-minded individual who, who's uh, been traveling the nation and knows voting reform extremely well. That individual has agreed to be my secretary of state. I'm going to have, of course, a team around that individual that that's uh, really good on voting reform. Uh, as governor, I get to decertify any or all machines in the state. And obviously, I have my eyes on uh, several of the counties that have machines that I believe are, are compromised. And Charlie, you're from Pennsylvania. Uh, they're they're going to have a boatload of electoral votes up for grabs in 2024. Help uh, help us understand what's at stake here. Are- Lucky for Pennsylvania that Fetterman is such a popular candidate for the Senate race that he is likely to drive out turnout down ticket. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, how how wild is it to you that Doug Mastriano is going to be? the GOP's candidate for governor there, given everything that, he, everything that he's done and said up until this point. Well, Doug, Doug Mastriano's nomination as the GOP candidate for governor is a complete and total catastrophe for Republicans in Pennsylvania. They know Let's it. Let's hope. Let's you hope. may not know this. Doug Mastriano, he's a state senator. He was thrown out of the Senate GOP caucus last year. He's not welcome in there. He, this man is extreme. Uh, you, what you pointed out about his election denial, and he will have, if, should he become governor, and I don't believe he will, but should he become governor, he would have the ability to appoint the secretary of state uh, who could do all kinds of terrible things. Uh, he is, A lot of people didn't believe Trump would become president either. Never underestimate the stupidity of Republican voters. Josh Shapiro, the Democratic candidate, uh, actually ran ads in the primary, more or less kind of pumping up Mastriano. Do we really want somebody like this who's so pro-Trump? Oh, the Hillary Clinton strategy, because that works so fucking well. Mastriano, but uh, but I, I do think that Mastriano will not become the governor. I hope he doesn't. And I think there will be massive defections within the Republican Party in Pennsylvania. And I believe that the whole state committee, the Republican State Committee of Pennsylvania, has, has, has got to take stock. I mean, this is the absolute outcome none of them wanted. They did nothing to condition this field until five days before the election, trying to get there were over a, over 10 candidates, Republican candidates running, trying to get some of them out to have one alternative instead of seven or eight. So this is a catastrophe, Mastriano, but that's the bad news. The good news is I don't think he'll ever become governor. Joe Wall shaking his head, but we didn't get to hear what he was shaking his head about, unfortunately. Why didn't you let the man speak? We talked about Oklahoma a lot this week, got a lot of it. No, shut up. talk about the court ruling in the Senate race that could really uh, shake things up. The ruling could introduce an as yet unknown number of uncounted ballots into a race where Oz and McCormick were separated by about 1,100 votes as of Friday afternoon. A little-watched federal court case could upend the neck-and-neck Republican Senate primary in Pennsylvania between Dr. Mutmet Oz and Dr. Er, and, and Dr. and David McCormick. Fucking doctor. He's not a doctor. 
On Friday afternoon, a three-judge panel for the Third Circuit Court of Appeals issued a judgment saying election officials should count several hundred mail ballots that were submitted without a date written on on their mailing envelopes in a November 2021 county judgeship election as long as they were otherwise received on time. It was not immediately clear how sweeping the reach of the circuit court's ruling will be because a formal opinion from the panel is still forthcoming, but it could have a serious impact on the Senate race between Oz and McCormick, where they were separated by 1,100 votes as of Friday afternoon, and the ruling could introduce into the pool an as-yet-unknown number of similarly situated ballots that would not have initially been counted. Apparently, McCormick is is the one really pushing for these ballots to be counted. A spokesperson for the Department of State told Politico that it was not immediately clear how many ballots that were otherwise received in a timely fashion by county uh, election officials were rejected because of a missing date. Ellen Lyon, a spokesperson for the agency, said that it would be surveying counties to get that figure and issuing guidance to support them. As an example, Nick Custodio... A deputy of Philadelphia City Commissioner said there were 2,100 mail and absentee ballots that have been received without dates in Philadelphia as of Friday afternoon. Of those, about 100 were Republican ballots. said that number would go up slightly, however, because officials had not yet completed processing mail ballots. Ian said the department was pleased with the federal court's interpretation of the statute, a likely sign that the forthcoming guidance would instruct counties to count undated ballots. But absent that guidance or the full opinion from the court, it is not immediately clear how local election officials across the state will handle similar ballots for Tuesday's primary. The election denier who could run Michigan's elections, much like Mastriano appointing the Secretary of State, Christina Caramo, uh, Caramo, Caramo, Christina Caramo was an unknown poll worker who claimed the 2020 election was fraudulent. Now she's the Republican candidate for Secretary of State. Weeks after the 2020 election, one particular Michigan woman was trumpeting claims of fraud as loudly as she could. Christina Caramo, a community college professor who previously accused Democrats of having a satanic agenda. Not us, never. Went on Fox News again and again to describe how illegal ballots supposedly had been tallied for Joe Biden at the TCF Center in Detroit, where she worked as a poll watcher. Testified before the state Senate that sacks of votes inexplicably had been dropped off there in the middle of election night. She suggested that Dominion voting software had flipped Trump votes to Biden votes statewide. PJ, you you found the show through her own video. Oh well, well, join us on Friday. We we will certainly let you call in, and Sparkles can talk to you. I might be a little drunk though, because it's my birthday. None of what uh, Caribou described actually happened, as far as anyone has been able to confirm. Her story served its purpose, though. Caribou has spent the past year campaigning to be Michigan's next Secretary of State. 
some people might have dismissed her at first as just another down-ballot conspiracy kook with no chance of winning her party's primary. But last month, the Michigan Republican Party chose Caramo as its nominee. Barring any changes in an upcoming convention in August, and with Republicans poised to have a strong midterm election year, Caramo has a shot at victory in November. Oh, these people. We'll talk about another election denier. This is an election denier with some significant power. Her name is Jenny Thomas. She's married to who I affectionately call Old Pube Can. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Jenny Thomas's emails deepen her involvement in the 2020 election. Virginia, uh, Virginia Jenny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice Pubcan, and a conservative political activist, urged Republican lawmakers in Arizona after the 2020 presidential election to choose their own slate of electors, arguing that results giving Joe Biden a victory in the state were marred by fraud. Revelations first published by the Washington Post on Friday show that Thomas was more involved than previously known in efforts based on unsubstantiated claims of fraud to overturn Biden's victory and keep then-President Donald Trump in office. The days after the Associated Press and other news organizations called the presidential election for Biden, Thomas emailed two lawmakers in Arizona to urge them to choose a clean slate of electors and stand strong in the face of political and media pressure. The AP obtained the emails under the state's open records law, Thomas had also written to then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows in the weeks following the election, encouraging him to work to overturn Biden's victory and keep Trump in office, according to text messages first reported by The Post and CBS News. Once again, Thomas should be impeached. Oh, I mean, she she had the number and was encouraging people to call, though. And thank you for the early birthday wishes. I greatly appreciate it. It's actually, it is shaping up to be quite possibly the best birthday of my life. Sparkles has taken me to an incredibly bougie restaurant. She already made my birthday cake. You guys are going to get to see it. Uh, it's an edible, so that's why she already made it and, and is, is frozen now. But it is a cookie brownie. With icing on it, it's insane. It's insane. I have the picture here. Cookie, brownie, icing, all of it. All of it full of pot. My birthday week started off with the George Carlin documentary. I get fucking Bob's Burgers movie next week. Uh, fucking uh, South Park. There's, like, South Park on June 1st. Like, this is, like, the best birthday week ever. Universe is just giving me all kinds of shit. Hey, dude. And and Socks came over to say hey. Buddy. Oh, and we are, uh, we are watching Full Metal Jacket in 4K on Saturday. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Stanley Kubrick, my favorite director. Uh, Also, I think I'm going to break out some Bill Hicks. I don't know if Sparkle is going to be here to watch Bill Hicks with me, but I'm going to watch Bill Hicks. 
a favorite comedian. Gonna be a fucking blast. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys I'm gonna take Sunday off next week. Gonna be off on Sunday. Gonna relax on my birthday weekend. While we're still on elections, let's talk about some good news when it comes to elections. Not for us here in the U.S. Our 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 electorate isn't uh, very intelligent. But in the Australian election, a great shock to the system. Victory belongs to Anthony Albanese, only the fourth labor leader since World War II to oust a liberal prime minister. But the 2022 Australian election was primarily a rejection of Scott Morrison and the brand of politics he has come to personify. A politics that denied and sometimes even mocked the seriousness of the climate crisis. As treasurer, Morrison laughingly brandished a lump of coal in Parliament. A politics that many female voters especially found blokish and boorish. Blokish. <laughs> that must be what's going on at this... Uh, Crypto NFT conference. It's it's blokish. Where they had to, they had to cover up the woe in woman. <laughs> Cause there ain't no women at the crypto conference. A politics that many Australians came to associate with truth twisting and lying, such as when Morrison claimed that Emmanuel Macron had sledged the Australian people over the cancellation of a multi-billion dollar submarine contract when it was obvious that the French French president had mounted a highly personalized attack on a man he labeled a liar at a time when conservative politics down under has displayed some small T Trumpian traits. Historians may conclude that Australian voters evicted from office the country's first post-truth prime minister. Pulling off Miracle 2.0 on the night of his unexpected victory in 2019, this Pentecostal Christian declared that he believed in miracles. The departing liberal leader may well have led his party into the wilderness. Tumbling down uh, have come the walls of conservative citadels. Parliamentary seats where liberals had for generations dominated now look like barren lands. The shoreline of Sydney Harbor, which is home to the most expensive real estate on the continent, is case in point. It has been overwhelmed by a teal wave, the color adopted by the swath of independents who have had such a transformative effect on the country's political geography. Remarkably, the liberals... Remember, these are conservatives. Liberal doesn't mean the same thing as it does here in the U.S. The liberals no longer control any harbor-side seats that stretch from the Opera House to the ocean. These include Wentworth and Warringah. Warringah. Did I say that Australian enough? Which were represented up until recently by two former liberal prime ministers, Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott. It is akin to San Francisco, another great harbor city, losing all its Democrats. We could only hope. I would love to say goodbye to a Democrat in San Francisco. Her name is Nancy Pelosi. I'd like to replace her with a man by the name of Shahid Buttar. But that ain't gonna happen. Buttar would be a much better person to have on our side in the upcoming fights against fascism. 
Jim Oberfeld. Ober, I'm all, I always fuck up the name. Jim Oberfeld prepares for another fight. Jim Oberfeld, whose lawsuit led to the nationwide legalization of same-sex marriage, says he feels a new urgency and clarity about his role in the LGBTQ community since a leaked Supreme Court draft decision previewed the end of Roe v. Wade. Oberfeld and other advocates fear that beyond abortion rights, Overturning Roe could threaten legal protections for same-sex marriage, interracial marriage, contraceptive, uh, comp- contraception, and even intimate sexual contact by consenting adults. There are they're already doing it. The fucking bill in Oklahoma is an attack on like the morning after pill and shit. It it legalized or I mean it uh, criminalized any kind of abortion. From the moment of fertilization. My job is to help people understand just how afraid they should be. Overfeld told Axios. Sex marriage has been the law of the land for nearly seven years since the high court's landmark 2015 ruling in Overfeld versus Hodges. I'll never forget the fucking day. I came back from class that day and the decision had came down. I'm like, what? was not expecting this in my lifetime. Some advocates now fear that the interpretation of the 14th Amendment in the court's draft row decision could also call into question other rights the court has guaranteed under the 14th Amendment, including same-sex marriage. Feld said he's fielded calls and texts left and right since Politico obtained and published the court's draft opinion. Some are seeking comfort. He said he told one of his former fellow plaintiffs that isn't my job right now. Ogrepeld versus Hodges were overturned. He said we'd once again be in a world where the most significant relationship of a person's life and the protections, the dignity, the rights, and everything that comes with that relationship can disappear just by crossing a border within our nation. Feld is running for a seat in Ohio's state legislature, seeking to challenge incumbent GOP state rep DJ Swearingen in a conservative district that includes his hometown of Sandusky. Swearingen won against a Democratic challenger by around 15 points last cycle. Let me give you a good example of what we're up up against in this coming fight against fascism. This is how stupid these fucks are. Anti-abortion activist testified that aborted fetuses are used to generate electricity. She said this under oath. Abortion activism always requires euphemism and misdirection. Why? Because of the violent nature of abortion. Because it is, frankly, inconvenient. Human persons, from their earliest days, poisoned in the womb and dismembered, torn limb from Limb. A person has been Bodies born thrown in medical waste bins and in places like Washington, D.C., burned to power the lights of the city's homes and streets. Let that image sink in with you for a moment. You just accused your political opposition of making shit up. And then your dumb ass made some shit up. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? 
Yes, I think all of you are fucking stupid and wish this woman could learn to feel embarrassment. Catherine Glenn Foster, Americans United for Life is the name of her organization. The next time you turn on the light, think of the incinerators. Think of what we're doing to ourselves so callously and so numbly. Ma'am, you're a fucking moron. Baby-powered PlayStation. <laughs> Meanwhile, while these people say they are doing this on behalf of the children, uh, on behalf of the fucking children, red states are not prepared for the post-Roe baby boom. Care of counties that are maternity care deserts by state. Notice how it is the red states. Maternity care deserts. Maternity care. The red states poised to ban or severely limit abortion already tend to have limited access to health care, poor health outcomes, and fewer safety net programs in place for mothers and children. U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade as it's expected to. The ensuring, uh, ensuing increase in births will likely leave families in tough circumstances and strain systems that are already hanging by a thread. What we're facing as a country is hundreds of thousands of births, probably disproportionately located in the states that have been uh, most limited in what they do for pregnant women, infants, and children. So this is the great paradox that we are dealing with. This is according to Sarah Rosenbaum, a health and law uh, policy professor at George Washington University. We have not ever designed these programs for a world without Roe. You need a child welfare system the likes of which we've never seen. Experts say there's already a growing shortage of uh, obstetricians. Is that how you say that? Does something with kids. I don't fucking know. 2020, more than 2 million women of childbearing age lived in counties that had no hospital offering obstetric care, no birth center, and no obstetric provider, according to a report by March of Dimes. Millions more lived in areas with limited access to care. In states in the middle of the country, many of which will automatically ban abortion if Roe is overturned, are particularly likely to have a high number of maternity care deserts. Let me give you an example of the stupidity, the sheer stupidity of these right-wing politicians that are wanting to do this. Content warning. The thing you are getting ready to hear, I'm going to be saying it. Unfortunately, we do not have video. But the thing you're getting ready to hear is going to piss you the fuck off and is racist as fuck. Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy. Or maternal death rates are only bad if you count black women. If you correct our population for race, we're not as much of an outlier as it otherwise appear. Fucking ghoul. Conservatives across the country wage war on reproductive rights, demanding by law that women be forced to carry any pregnancy to term, regardless of the circumstances. They frequently 
slash always like to forget that they do absolutely nothing to support these people during said pregnancies or after. Once again, that's a, a fucking quote from George Carlin. If you're pre-born, you're good. If you're preschool, you're fucked. Ah! Mississippi, for example, where abortion will immediately become illegal if Roe v. Wade is overturned, has the highest rate of child poverty in the country. It recently rejected a bid to extend postpartum Medicaid coverage. And in Louisiana, which has a similar, uh, similar trigger that will go into effect upon Roe being reversed, maternal mortality rates are among the worst in the nation. But according to GOP Senator Bill Cassidy, the rate at which women die during pregnancy or shortly after is not as bad as it seems if you subtract the deaths of black women, which apparently don't fucking count. In an interview with Politico, the following words came out of Cassidy's mouth. About a third of our population is African American. African Americans have a higher incidence of maternal mortality. So if you correct our our population for race, we're not as much of an outlier as it otherwise appear. Now, I say that not to minimize the issue, but to focus the issue as to where it would be. For whatever reason, people of color have a higher incidence of uh, of maternal mortality. This dude's a doctor too, isn't he? Uh, Am I mistaken on that? I think the dude is a medical fucking doctor. American physician. What did you practice, sir? Specializes in liver disease. Charles Murray style stat analysis. Correct. You know, Cassidy, it could be because... You assholes target certain populations. Fucking idiots. And then, and then, top it all off, Nancy Pelosi is being denied communion. 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 Nancy Pelosi is being denied communion by the Catholic Church. Flashing tonight, a declaration from San Francisco's Catholic Archbishop is making headlines worldwide. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione has declared House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is barred from receiving communion unless she ends her support for abortion rights. NBC Barrio Sergio Quintana has a story from San Francisco. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione was not available for comment on this, but in a prepared statement, he says he's been working for months to try to have a conversation with Speaker Nancy Pelosi about this and says he ultimately decided he needed to make a decision. In that prepared statement by the Archbishop, he writes in part, I have determined that the point has come in which I must make a public declaration that she is not to be admitted to Holy Communion unless and until she publicly repudiate her support for abortion rights. Today, at an event just blocks away from the San Francisco... Because the Catholics are so fucking concerned with making sure that the children are born so they can fucking molest them. 
I wonder how many child molesters have been protected by this very archbishop. Go fuck yourself, dude. But hey, 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 I don't give a shit that you're not allowing fucking stupid-ass Nancy Pelosi to participate in your fucking, like, ritual. That's what it is. It's a stupid-ass fucking ritual. Francisco Archdiocese, city, state, and federal leaders toured Planned Parenthood Northern California. That tour is meant to highlight the improvements needed if the Supreme Court draft decision holds, striking down Roe v. Wade. They say since September, about 75 women from other states have already come here for abortions, citing the difficulty of getting the procedure in their home states. At least 22 states already have laws that would immediately ban nearly all abortions if Roe is overturned. Today, reproductive rights supporters were quick to condemn the archbishop's announcement. Nancy Pelosi has done more to protect children, women, families than he could ever imagine. And to deny... Well, this is a Catholic church. I could agree with that. It's laughable. For him to try to somehow pressure Speaker Pelosi or any other Catholic to change their views on this issue by denying them an opportunity to exercise tax the churches tax the churches you want to get political motherfucker cordelioni is a member of voted on a resolution to deny communion to high-profile catholics like president joe biden and speaker pelosi but when the resolution was passed pope francis and the vatican warned against denying the eucharist to high-profile leaders over politics speaker pelosi has said in prior interviews that being denied communion would be very serious to her we've reached out to her office for comment on the oh fuck off but have not had an immediate response in san francisco sergio quintana nbc bay area news i don't give a shit whether she can receive communion or not i just think it's hypocritical of the catholic church the catholic church to come out act like you're trying to protect children or some shit I wonder how many archbishops have knocked a child up and then made them get an abortion. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, I don't give a shit that she don't get her wafer and her wine. She gets plenty of wine throughout the day. Let's talk about the disinformation board. Oh, no, 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 no. With a story you may not have heard, but the issue... Now, before we talk about the disinformation board, let's talk about some disinformation. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm a little off tonight. I'm not on top of my game. Talk about some disinformation coming from Fox News. Yeah, you heard his voice. It's Tucker Carlson. Apparently, apparently, we are getting ready to give our sovereignty over to the World Health Organization, according to Tucker. You should definitely know about. It begins early last year when Joe Biden, as one of his very first acts as president, brought the United States back into the world. I did. I did. I threw a warning up there. We thought, why would Biden be so anxious to do something like that? At the time, we assumed it was just part of his larger de-orangification effort. Trump had pulled the U.S. out of the World Health Organization, so Biden had to do the opposite. Childish, but that seemed like a fair explanation. Uh, the fair explanation would be that we're in the middle of a global goddamn pandemic and fucking coordinating with the World Health Organization would be a good thing. It's not just retaliation against fucking Trump, you dumb motherfucker. God damn, I hate you, Tucker Carlson. 
Still, it did seem a little weird because there aren't many international bodies that are more thoroughly discredited than the World Health Organization, particularly after COVID. It's a laughing- Is who? There's one thing it's not good at, it's public health. Since the very first cases of the coronavirus were reported in Wuhan, the WHO slavishly ran interference for the Chinese government and did it in the most cartoonish and obvious way. First, WHO claimed there was no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the virus. Remember this? They cited Chinese officials who were obviously lying, and we now know they were lying. Then, when it became clear the virus probably came out of a Chinese government lab, WHO sabotaged the investigation. Still, still, we have no evidence that that happened. ...researcher to lead the investigative team. Pretty shocking if you think about it. And to this day, the WHO still has not acknowledged it did. It, oh, a gain-of-function researcher. His name is Peter Dizak, and uh, he's one of the lead virologists in the world, you fuck. Instead, they've continued to praise China's response to COVID as, quote, transparent, which is the one thing it's not. It's almost amusing. But again, it's weird if you think about it. Why would Joe Biden want to join a group that every informed person laughs at? Well, more than a year later, we think we know the answer. No informed person laughs at them. You're not informed. Your audience isn't informed. Every aspect, the intimate aspects of your life. So imagine the civil liberties abuses that you lived through during the And let me ask you, you talk about intimate aspects of your life. Did you just do a segment on overturning Roe v. Wade and wanting to get into women's medical fucking history? Did you do that, Tucker Carlson? You fucking hypocrite. Downs, but permanent and administered from a foreign country. Here's what we're looking at tonight. This January, the Biden administration submitted a series of proposed amendments to something called the International Health Regulations, the IHR. Now, the Biden administration's amendments, along with those from several other countries, will be combined to create a new global pandemic treaty. We need a pandemic treaty. That treaty is set to be adopted starting this weekend in Geneva at the World Health Assembly. Now, the full text of the treaty is not yet finished, but a WHO working group has summarized what it's going to look like. The document begins by promising to restrict the WHO's authority just to pandemics. Calm down, it's just pandemics. Quote, WHO secretariat to play the leading, convening, and coordinating role in operational aspects of emergency response to a pandemic. End quote. Yeah. So paranoid. Someone needs to coordinate the pandemic response globally because it's a global problem. Got it? Yeah. Conspiracy nut. But here's the catch. The World Health Organization gets to define what a pandemic is, when a pandemic is in progress, and how long a pandemic lasts. Well, the yeah, of course. WHO will have total authority over emergency operations in the United States if there is ever a, quote, public health emergency. Huh? What qualifies exactly as a public health emergency? Well, they don't define that. But they get to. They get to decide what a public health emergency is. And then they have total authority. You can see where this is going. Now, the Biden administration has made certain that unelected bureaucrats at the WHO have- I would love to abort Tucker Carlson. ...and define public health emergencies. They did it explicitly. The White House eliminated a provision that would have- Speaking of which, let's abort him right now. I'm done with it. I, this is fucking stupid. Oh God, there's more stupid coming. There's more stupid coming. Let's talk about the disinformation board. This is Nina jo uh, Jan Jawanski. 
Kalski. The head of the Disinformation Governance Board at the Department of Homeland Security has resigned. This comes after Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas paused the program just three I call it. Thank you. Amid criticism from Republicans. Thank you for the, the, the bits. established in April to standardize the handling of disinformation across various agencies in DHS. Nina Jankowitz joins us now. Thank you so much. She's the former executive director of the Disinformation Governance Board. She also... For like a week. ...how to lose the information war and how to be a woman online. So, Nina, do you think the Disinformation Board was the victim of, in, in fact, misinformation given the backlash it saw? Jamie, I would say that the Disinformation Governance Board was the victim of disinformation. So the difference between dis and misinformation is disinformation is false mis false information spread with malign intent. And clearly there was a malign intent on some actors in the media and in politics who just really stood up to uh, the, the formation of this board because it would be confronting disinformation. They completely mis- As far as I understand it, it was just to evaluate foreign intelligence within DHS. Nothing about it. Like I saw people saying, oh, the disinformation board is going to tell me my, my tweet was misinformation. Blah, blah, blah. Had nothing to do with censoring you on Twitter, you dumb fucks characterized its mission. And frankly, uh, this childish behavior is endangering our national security now. This, this board was set up to counter real disinformation that makes Americans less safe. Things about uh, false information related to disasters, border security, our elections and other critical infrastructure like pipelines and banks. Um, so those who stand in opposition to the board, which as the secretary said, was just an internal coordinating mechanism, something to, to make sure that we were efficient and using best practices are standing in the way of our national security. It is. This is a, this is a tough one here, and I have to tell you the things that I was reading about what was said to you online and how your family had to deal with. They were they were calling it the Ministry of Truth on the on the right. Information online and in particular women who experience online abuse and harassment. Can you describe for people just what your life has been like, and you know just what your family was under? Well, Jamie, I've, I've dealt with harassment before, but nothing like this. This was three weeks of just an onslaught. There were maybe one or two days over the past three weeks where I didn't have to report a violent threat to the security services at DHS. And uh, your viewers can't see, but I'm 38 weeks pregnant. Uh, not that mm. that saves me from criticism, but certainly I, I, sh I believe that we should be able to have a serious conversation in the United States. Well, why didn't you abort it so that you could like help power DC, woman? Did you not hear? Of a board that might decide what's true or false. Of course, that's not what the board was going to be doing, but I don't deserve death threats for my public service to the country. Uh, and so I hope that we can walk this discourse back and recognize that this vitriol, this partisanship makes us more vulnerable to the threats, the very threats that the Disinformation Governance Board was set up to address. Well, that's it doesn't matter where you fall in the political spectrum, right? And we've become so far apart. And I understand that people, you know, want to argue with each other and they want to see the world in black and white. But to get death threats is just it's just unacceptable. I mean, I, I just find it completely unacceptable. So I'm sorry you had to go through. It's that. also it's I par for the course for like I get death threats. Come on. I'm, I'm a small fucking YouTube channel. Reasons you step down from the board. Can you explain maybe some of the other motivations of stepping down? 
So I'm happy to take one for the country when it comes to protecting our national security and putting these issues at the forefront, because I do believe they are some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, it was less about the threats and more about the department's response to this disinformation. They campaign. don't they don't care, BJ, because it's about control. It's about controlling women. And again, I believe these are really, really important threats that deserve to be looked at uh, very seriously. And I believe I can do that outside of government. I'm not going to be silenced by my critics. It's the pro-lot party, though, Skycom, and it's the pro-lot party. With this important work, they love they love fetuses. It has to do with the safety and security of all Americans. Um, things like making sure that people have access to disaster aid, making sure that they have good information about when and how to cast their vote in democratic elections. This is the stuff that the Department of Homeland Security is charged with doing, um, not any of the falsehoods people were characterizing the board as as dealing with online. So I hope that works. No, 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 no. You were the Ministry of Truth and you were going to be marking people's tweets as, as false or truthful. Come on. We know it. I'm interested to hear what Fox News has to say about this woman. So I believe this is from The Five. Nope, Fox and Friends. My bad. About what the board was, uh, what people thought the board was going to do, are completely wrong. It was a coordinating mechanism. I fully understand Americans' concerns that they don't want government involved in policing speech. And good news, this initiative wasn't involved in policing speech, and neither was I. I'm sure the DHS disinformation board that he sprung on everybody a couple of weeks ago is paused, and Director Nina Jankowitz has officially resigned after just three weeks. The DHS joining Jankowitz in blaming disinformation for the derailment, saying, "Quote." The board has been grossly and intentionally mischaracterized. Here to react is someone who's never pausing. Strive Asset Management co-founder and executive chairman uh, and author of the upcoming book, Nation of Victims. Asset management co-founder, like asset management. That automatically says like this dude is not to be trusted. Fuck this dude. Vivek Ramaswamy joins us. Vivek, uh, first off, your reaction to this. From the minute it was announced, it was in trouble. They make the right move? Well, I think I was glad to see the news that the plans to proceed with the board have been canceled. You have to call me cynical here, Brian, but I also wondered just for a moment whether they actually had decided to cancel the board or if they just decided to cancel their public communication of it. Because actually history teaches us that if a government is intent on censoring information, on engaging in purging what it calls misinformation, those tend to be the same Jesus. historically are non-transparent about their about their efforts to do the same thing. What we had here was a unique situation where and the, then they play the video of her singing truth also happened to be a government that was open about it. What I hope this isn't a sign of is a move in the direction of doing the same thing and accomplishing the same objectives, but without a figurehead and a separate department but doing it through the back door. That might be cynical, but assuming that's not the case, then I do think this is... Tell your viewers what they were actually set up to do, though. ...is supposed to be, which is a free marketplace of ideas. Just your hunch, because you're going on a hunch that it might not be disbanded. Do you think that Jeff Bezos, when he came down on said, and just uh, with tongue firmly in cheek, says, this newly created disinformation board should review the tweet referring to Joe Biden coming out and blaming the wealthiest corporations for inflation? Do you think that was the beginning of them realizing... how? How stupid this was and how open they are to being what none of that none of that went together kill me you're an idiot triggering event was it was interesting to watch taylor lorenz's reporting of this at the washington post where like the headline and then they're attacking taylor lorenz again as a product
Jesus. Attacks. That was the language in the headline of the Washington Post. Speaking of Jeff Bezos, owned by Jeff Bezos. Now, here's the funny thing about that, Brian, is this shouldn't be a right wing or a left wing issue. If you rewind back to the 2000s, imagine President Bush had under the newly established Department of Homeland Security then in the wake of 9-11 on the eve of the war in Iraq. I was against DHS. I was against the NSA. Like, I've been against all this shit, you stupid fuck. You think back to the 2000s, oh, the thing that I opposed from the moment of its creation? Oh, Jesus. Had established a misinformation board, the left would have howled, and correctly so, in my opinion, because the government should not be in the business of regulating what ideas can and cannot make it into the public sphere. So that's not a left or a right wing issue. It's not a capitalist or an anti capitalist issue, or a billionaire Jeff Bezos issue, or a non billionaire issue. It's just a fundamental American issue. What I think they realized was that actually the backlash that happened to come from people who may have identified as being right of center actually echoed ideas that were fundamentally liberal in nature, too. No, God damn, these people are stupid. Just the publicity around it. Again, time will tell us whether or not that's true. Right. And we just know at one point, if it does go back into play, it will be a musical on Broadway because we know the director is clearly a fan of musicals. Uh, Vivek, thanks so much. Just a personal attack on her over and over and over again. Jesus. All right, now we got to get into, like, the real fucking hardcore stupidity tonight. I am so sorry that I'm going to have to play this for you guys. Content warning. Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire has a new movie called What is a Woman? You know, I used to see left-wing protests and demonstrations as mere annoyances, you know, events to be dismissed and ignored, basically. But now I see them as, well, still events to be dismissed in a lot of ways, but also as opportunities. And with feminists across the country gathering together on Saturday for another women's march in response to the impending end of Roe, we decided it'd be a perfect time to um, finally unveil the full trailer and official premiere date for my upcoming film. But, uh, but, but I am sure, I am sure that you were all up on the trucker convoy, that you... You thought January 6th was a protest or some shit? You fucking hypocrite. You know, I know from filming the documentary that the women at the Women's March are the most confused of all about what a woman actually is. So uh, this film should be of great interest to them and very useful to them. You know, all that time, spend all the time at the Women's March, you think you want to figure out what a woman actually is. So figured this would be a good way to tell them. That's why we thought they would appreciate it if we hijacked their event to promote the film. Hijacked. Hijacked. Um, exactly. It very much. But I still had fun, and that's really what counts. So for the Women's March in D.C., we set up um, these uh, mobile billboards on the back of trucks, and we had them circle the march all day long. And the billboards asked a pertinent question, which is, if you can't define what a woman is, how can you have a women's march? Good question. And then, of course, we provided the URL, whatisawoman.com, to, uh, where you could see the whole trailer and become a member of the Daily Wire. I doubt we gained very many subscribers from the D.C. Women's March, but... At least we gave them a, a question that they could ponder. And the same in New York City, where Jeremy was nice enough to let me use his Jeremy's Razors billboard to pose the same question to all of Times Square. There was a women's march. Jeremy was nice enough, not that he's the CEO of the company that you work for. We took things perhaps a step or two farther by posing the ultimate question. Exactly, Scott Comet. To the entire L.A. women's march all at once via message in the sky. So a skywriter 
wrote the question in the sky over top the city while another plane carrying a banner with what is woman.com circled around all day. Allow me to answer this question just in case there's a right winger watching this. The idea of what is a man or what is a woman has been a hotly contested uh, thing with biologists and geneticists. The people that you should refer to for this. Vast majority of people are male or female, but there is a whole spectrum, a range. It's bimodal. Uh, supposedly, I've got a dude calling in on Tuesday. Doesn't know what bimodal means. Let's do argue with me about this. It's a bimodal distribution of traits across a scale. A woman is someone with feminine traits. And that identifies as a woman. And is someone with masculine traits. Who identifies as a man. And there's a whole bunch of people that don't identify as either. And that's okay. There's some people that identify as both. They wake up one day feeling a little more like a man. And want to portray their masculine side. They wake up another day feeling a little bit more like a woman. And want to portray their, their feminine side. There is no there is no set definition because whether you do it by chromosomes, whether you do it by genitalia, whether you do it by hormones, there are always examples. When you set a strict definition of this is what is a woman, no matter what you do, if you say, oh, it's chromosomes. Well, there there are people that have X, Y chromosomes that also have a uterus. Sex is more complicated than your fucking binary. Period. End of story. So I hope that cleared that up for you, Matt Walsh. It's amazing to me that you won't actually go and ask a biologist or a geneticist this question. Why I think you're being dishonest. Now, the funniest thing about this was um, the reaction from L.A. residents who had no context at all and perhaps didn't even know that a women's march was happening and yet emerged from their homes on Saturday morning to find this question emblazoned across the heavens as if God himself was prompting them to think about it. I should also mention that the hashtag, what is a woman, was trending on Twitter, moving up the trending charts quickly, threatening to overtake all of the women's march hashtags. I'm sure a lot of the trending was making fun of you, Matt. At which point, the hashtag disappeared from Twitter's trending topics all at once. Just like that. Never returned. Uh, that happens a lot. It was a bridge too far for the folks at Twitter, many of them who live in that area, and uh, I guess decided we were simply having too much fun. And we were. But trolling aside, the important point, I think, is the film, which... Again, we'll officially premiere. We can finally announce. Yes, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the film and how dishonest Matt Walsh is. But that was before we remembered that June is Pride Month. And we simply could not pass up the opportunity to unveil the trailer during the Women's March and then premiere the film on the first day of Pride Month. They just the What an asshole. It's, it's poetry. It's poetic, I think. The way things work. No, it's not. It's just you being a dick. If you think we went literally above and beyond for the Women's March, you just got to wait and see what we have in store for, for Pride Month. And the first thing we have in store is the movie itself, of course. And for just a small taste of what the film is all about, I'm going to play the full trailer for you right now. Ooh. If you're listening to the audio podcast uh, and you want to see the visuals that go with this, and trust me, you definitely do want to see the visuals, 
then you can go to my YouTube channel or whatiswoman.com after the show and check it out. But for now, uh, here's a trailer. Let's watch. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? Good on her. I'm a husband. I'm a father for, I host a talk show. You're a gigantic piece of shit. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything. You're a bigot. Not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. And I've watched Sex in the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great like, question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. That doesn't work. <laughs> there are people with dicks <laughs> that also have uteruses. I, I Idiot. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? Do you want to tell us what a woman is? I'm a biological woman that medically transitioned to appear like a male. I will never be a man. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all of their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there, there could be a- No element of this a teeny tiny bit maybe no 42 your child doesn't have a chance and you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way puberty blockers which wrong completely reversible one of the drugs used is lupron right which Mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders you know what I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview. You don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids or... How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? How can this whole... Notice that it's a fucking spectrum! I wanted us to... You idiot! ...place to be able to talk about this. Part of me wants to ask why you care so much. I I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Is it transphobic to tell the truth? The interview's over. Let's turn off the camera. You're not telling the truth. I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? (laughs) They say no. (laughs) Never. What a fucking idiot. We'll see when it comes out. Yes, you will. You will. Um, June 1st, again, is the premiere. Yeah, because you're, you're not going to be fair to those people at all. Member and procrastinating. Then what I would say is that uh, now is the time. And if you if you're think about it all, if you have it in your budget, become a Daily Wire member, or maybe get rid of one of the 15 yeah, other... Stick around. We're getting ready to talk about all the dishonest things Matt Walsh and, did uh, to put this movie together. Woman.com right now and sign up. Or wait for that till after the show and then sign up. You know, one of the worst things about trailers is that so often they spoil the film because they show you all the best parts and you see the trailer and you're like, this is, looks good. Then you go watch the movie and you think, well, I already saw, the, this is the, the best part of the movie I already saw. That's not the case with this trailer because the best part, uh-huh. that I mean the most outrageous, shocking, hilarious, disturbing, sometimes all those things at once, parts are um, being saved for the film. I can assure you of that. Uh-huh. What you saw there is just sort of the tip of the gender-confused iceberg. And hopefully it's enough for you to see that, though we're doing a lot of fun trolling to promote the film, 
What is a woman is not itself merely an exercise? Speaking of trolling, the Daily Wire used to be very responsive to me. And now they're not for some reason. I can't get the I can't get Jeremy Boring to retweet me anymore. I can't get Matt Walsh to retweet me anymore. Weird. In trolling. I mean, there's some of that because it's me and I can't help myself. But the titular question is just the beginning of the journey. It's the door into the gender ideology rabbit hole. And we dive into that rabbit hole and trace it all the way to the bottom. We stare into the abyss and the abyss stares back. Now, I can tell you just from filming it that You know, there were plenty of moments when I had to stop myself from bursting out laughing, but also plenty of days when we wrapped filming and I had trouble sleeping at night. I thought the same thing, Orby, just the tip. Seeing the conversations we had. He was troubled. He had trouble sleeping. Uh, You know, they mocked. They mocked uh, the non-binary. We saw the the person with with the beard and the pretty hair that was on Dr. Phil. They mocked. They mocked them for saying they had trouble sleeping. And then Matt Walsh was like, oh, I had trouble sleeping after the shit I saw. What a fucking idiot. God, I hate you. Particular when we talked about this when we were done filming on these days, it like felt like we were, you know, glaring directly into hell or something because in a way we were. Now, my hope then for <laughs> film is that <laughs> will rip open the curtain. Honey, you're the one that believes in hell. We don't. Uh, This is a movement that has gripped hold of our culture largely by deception, threat, and force. Certainly not by making compelling arguments and convincing people. Bullshit! Bullshit! Here's the thing is you're the one that's not making compelling arguments, Matt. You are strawmanning the opposition. And you you are ironmanning your own fucking position. You and you want to talk about deception? You want to talk about deception? We're going we're going to get into that. New poll from uh, McLaughlin and Associates and Summit.org, and this shows just how unconvinced most people are. So listen to some of these numbers. In response to the question, "Do you believe it's possible to distinguish between men and women?" And of course, we mean like physically. Of those who gave a response, ninety-three percent said yes. Of course, gender ideology. But that is that, is that is what's called a loaded question, by the way. Physical about someone that would tell you anything about um, whether they're a man or a woman. 93% disagree with that claim by gender ideology. 93%. But that, no, no, that is not the claim by gender ideology. Transgenderism, only 36% said that it's a healthy human condition. The rest said that it's unhealthy. Though, and this is important, only half of those who said it's unhealthy said they'd be willing to speak up and say so. The rest said that they keep quiet about it. When asked if elementary schools should teach about... Gender dysphoria is not a healthy condition. The treatment for it is to transition. 30 said not only inappropriate, but dangerous. So that's 72% opposed in all. And then should minors undergo gender alteration procedures? 90% against. Yes, something that never fucking happens. There are still more people. I realize there are rare cases like Keffel's. She was 17 when she had top surgery or whatever. This makes it clear that the gender ideologues are in a small, tiny minority. They have convinced... Then why do you care so much? Yeah, that's that's another interesting question that maybe we could do in a follow-up poll. Which is like... If it is such a small minority... 
Why, why does your ass feel the need to target them and bully them because they don't agree with what you're saying? Huh? I, I, I thought we were supposed to have freedom of speech in this country. I thought cancel culture was a bad thing. Matt Walsh is admitting, admitting that he is picking on a very small minority. And for what? For what? Because it is easy for your audience to mock, to ridicule, and to, to fucking get off. To get off on mocking a small minority because they don't know anybody that's trans, so it doesn't affect them personally. So it's easy for them to get their fucking kicks by mocking an out group. That's what fascists fucking do. Changed it over the last five years. I'd say they've convinced no one because all the people who, you know, the, the whatever, 7% who said that, oh, you can't tell the difference between men and women, um, most of them. I wouldn't answer the question that way. You can totally tell the difference between man and, uh, men and women. Gender ideologue. So it's not like they've been convinced. Idiot. They haven't convinced anyone of the rightness of their claims, I guess I should say. They have, however, convinced lots of people to be silent. They've convinced, quote-unquote, lots of people to just sort of cooperate and go along. And that's why I'm hoping that our film, What is a Woman, will not only expose the total absurdity of gender ideology, but also give people the motivation. Let me expose the absurdity of your fucking film. First of all, he tried to dupe trans people into participating. Far-right troll Matt Walsh tried to dupe trans people into joining his anti-trans documentary. Far-right podcaster working for the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's right-wing outlet, has been attempting to dupe dozens of trans people and doctors into participating in an anti-trans documentary under false pretenses a prominent trans activist revealed. Matt Walsh who has an extensive history of overtly bigoted rhetoric predating his work for Shapiro's burgeoning media empire, has become a leading anti-trans voice in the conservative movement of late. The one-time shock jock's cartoonishly hateful remarks about the LGBTQ community have only increased his public profile and garnered him right-wing media stardom, including frequent appearances on Fox News. Along the way, Walsh has continually upped his trollish antics, Late last year, for instance, his transphobic children's book titled Johnny the Walrus was briefly the best-selling LGBTQ book on Amazon before the retailer recategorized it following a public backlash. So I'm an LGBT author and I'm, you know, I think I'm one of the leading LGBT voices in the country right now, according to Amazon, and I embrace that. By the way, by the way, I am a formidable voice in the culture, according to Matt Walsh. Justin Freakin, the formidable voice in the culture. Just so everybody is aware. Fresh off the mainstream attention he gained from a controversial appearance on Dr. Phil, and after promising to wage an all-out assault on gender ideology, Walsh apparently decided to up the ante yet again while ripping a page from Project Veritas's playbook. He recently attempted to trick a number of trans people and medical professionals into volunteering for what now appears to be an anti-trans documentary. Walsh's deception was exposed, however, by one of the activists his team attempted to deceive. Eli Ehrlich, a writer and co-founder of the organization Trans Student Educational Resources, revealed on Twitter this week that she had been contacted by an associate producer from an organization billing itself as the Gender Unity Project 
which, according to the producer, was doing a film on the trans community and wanted Ehrlich to participate. According to Ehrlich, however, the situation quickly became suspicious when the producer, who called herself McKenna Lynn, offered to fly the trans activist to different locations for filming, but abruptly canceled. Eventually, the producer settled on bringing Ehrlich to Nashville, where Walsh lives and the Daily Wire is now headquartered. From digging, Ehrlich discovered that McKenna Lynn was actually McKenna Waters, who is actually an associate producer for The Matt Walsh Show and has worked on hundreds of right-wing trolls broadcasts. Gender Unity Project's deception was further revealed when Ehrlich unearthed the fake group's filing as a limited liability corporation in Colorado. The agent on, the, on that registration, the trans activist discovered, was Justin Folk, a right-wing documentarian who has done projects for Walsh and far-right content mill PragerU. Walsh, Waters, and the Daily Wire did not immediately respond to the Daily Brief's request for comment on this story. After Ehrlich posted an extensive Twitter thread revealing the Walsh gambit, Waters deleted her Twitter account and Folk set his to private. By Tuesday morning, Twitter had suspended an account created for the phony Gender Unity Project. Based on the public and private response to Ehrlich's posts, it appears quite possible that at least 50 trans people and doctors were contacted by Walsh's anti-trans project. Ehrlich told the Daily Beast that at least nine people have personally told her that Walsh's team approached them and that one of those people actually filmed scenes for the deceptive documentary. Debbie Jackson, an advocate for trans youth, noted on Ehrlich's Facebook page that Waters had attempted to reassure her they would not include any bigotry in our film in an attempt to get Jackson and her 14-year-old trans child Avery to participate. We've, we've spotlighted Avery before. Allegedly came after Jackson asked Waters, who was pretending to be McKenna Lynn, questions about the production's funding, whether trans people were involved, and if it would include people opposing trans rights. Let's go, Brandon. What a dumb fucking name. Thank you for being a freaking follower. So that was a couple months ago is when the Daily uh, Beast published this back in February. Media Matters reported that Daily Wire host Matt Walsh who called the white supremacist great replacement conspiracy theory just a fact using an unauthorized photo of a trans man in a trailer promoting his upcoming documentary. The subject of the photo has asked Walsh to remove the picture, which the Daily Wire host tweeted on May 14th. While the unauthorized use could violate Twitter's policy on copyrighted material, the platform refuses to act maintaining its recent streak of permitting anti-trans content in violation of its own stated policies. Five days after Walsh uh, tweeted a trailer for his forthcoming documentary, What is a Woman? Steph, I'm I'm gonna fuck your name up. Steph Kryoku quote tweeted Walsh saying a photo of his has been used in the documentary without permission and asking for it to be removed. It appears that his photo has been taken from his Instagram profile. The photo is one of several in the trailer depicting transmasculine people following their top surgery. Troublingly, troublingly, another Twitter user said the trailer for Walsh's documentary also included an unauthorized image of their 15-year-old son. 
This is not the first time that Walsh has come under fire for making and promoting this film without permission from those appearing in it. This year it was revealed that as part of filming the documentary, he had created a puppet organization to trick trans people into appearing in the film. Right-wingers are morons. Speaking of bigots, Dave Chappelle ignited a new controversy over the weekend. John Mulaney slammed for having Chappelle open and transphobic jokes. John Mulaney is usually beloved by all, but right now... He's getting slammed big time, all because he let Dave Chappelle open for him, and the guy told anti-trans jokes. Here's the deal. John had a comedy show Friday night in Columbus, Ohio, where phones were locked up in a pouch so no one could record. Remember, these are, you know, free speech advocates. Like Dave Chappelle. I understand comedy is their product and everything, yada, yada, yada. And according to folks who flocked to social media afterward, DC was a surprise guest who did set before John came out, who did a set before John came out. A lot of these people say they felt ambushed by Dave's presence, especially since he allegedly went on to tell what they characterized as transphobic, homophobic jokes. The argument is that these paying customers came out to see John Mulaney, not Dave, and many of them are either part of the LGBT crowd or consider themselves allies going on to say they never would have purchased tickets if they'd known Chappelle was going to show up. Of course, this all dates back to the controversy over his Netflix special, The Closer, which some have said is transphobic, despite DC denying that. DC being Dave Chappelle and the streamer uh, sticking by him. As for what is exactly was said that was transphobic in these users' minds, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who actually detailed the cracks, but someone finally did. The supposedly harmful joke uh, was about the stage crasher and the gun knife he had on him. Uh, uh, apparently this dude called Reggie Dillpickle, which automatically makes me uh, not trust him, that he made one transphobic joke, and the joke was a one line after one line of setup, and it went as followed. I mean, it wasn't a gun, it was a knife, a gun that identifies as a knife. He then paused, smiled a bit, and moved on quickly. A homophobic joke was him saying, maybe you two are gay, I don't know, nothing wrong with that if that's the case. Why? 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 Why even point that out? None of that was funny. None of that was funny, and the greatest comedian of all time had this to say about assholes like Dave Chappelle. I would defend to the death his right to do everything he does. The thing that I, that I find unusual, and it's, you know, it's not a criticism so much, but his targets are underdogs. And comedy traditionally has picked on people in power, people who abuse their power. Uh, women and gays and immigrants are kind of, to my way of thinking, underdogs. And, um, you know, he ought to be careful because he's Jewish. And a lot of the people who want to pick on these kind of groups, the Jews are on that list a little further. You got women, gays, gypsies, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you find Jews. And, and Andrew, suddenly Andrew's arrested. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, he, obviously he should do what he wants. And uh, why does he get away with it, do you think, then? Well, because we have never a, laughed at jokes about the Well, poor. he's appealing. I think he's appealing largely. I think his core audience 
are young white males who are threatened by these groups. I think a lot of these guys aren't sure of their manhood because that's a problem when you're going in through adolescence. You know, am I really? Am I? Could I be? I hope I'm not one of them. And the women who assert themselves and are competent are a threat to these men, and so are immigrants in terms of jobs and and uh, and, and the. So that's why we, as an audience, then will laugh. I, you say we. I don't think you're. I mean, either, I, no, no, but I, I mean think you're collective that, we. I think that you may laugh. I didn't find it funny. Experience that takes place in these arenas is a certain, uh, a, you know, a, a sharing of, of uh, anger and rage and, at, at, these, at these targets. And I'm sure Andrew isn't that angry at them. I'm sure he's playing it as a comic. He was talking about Andrew Dice Clay there. But man, you could, you could replace Andrew with Dave now, couldn't you? Uh, let's do something now that the right wing has no uh, no idea how to do, what to do. Taking care of kids. Mandy, welcome. <laughs> Gotta take care of these kids. the way my cats are every morning. How fucking cute! (laughs) Fucking adorable! We went from the goat to a bunch of goats. That was awesome. I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to make mention of the uh, the George Carlin documentary on HBO that came out. I believe it was Friday night. Maybe part one was Thursday. Part two was Friday. I watched it last night. Watched the whole goddamn thing. Four hours. Fabulous. Fabulous. But, uh, like, the last montage. The last montage was video photos of shit that's happened in the last 10, 15 years since he's died. And it's juxtaposed to his fucking comedy. It's him doing bits over over videos and and photos of exactly what he's talking about. Exactly what he was talking about happening. It's a it's a it's about a five six minute montage, and it's just it's it's spectacular. Uh, all right, if you are watching on Twitch, where are we going? Is it time for Echo Flex yet? Justin, Justin had a little bit of food before he came on, but uh, apparently I didn't eat enough because I am starving right now. The Plex is not quite on yet, but do stick around. They're getting ready to start here in just like a minute or two. 
Sunday night, it's the Plex podcast recording. If you're watching on Twitch, you're heading over to Echoplex Media. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's alright to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I am Justin Freakin. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live!